right, it's that time again. Welcome into another episode of the Final Score Podcast. Appreciate everyone being here as always. Uh, Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department here with you. And on this week's episode, we'll welcome on Bradley Gray, um, head coach of the Tuscarora High School Girls Lacrosse Program. Uh, Bradley's been coaching uh, lacrosse in, in, in the county really since uh, the sport was um, brought in as, as a varsity sport. So I'm interested to get Bradley's perspective on how lacrosse has grown in the county over the last 20 uh, plus years. And, and he'd be a great person to talk to about that. Uh, we'll talk to him about uh, his uh, team at Tuscarora as well. Uh, Bradley, I, I've always appreciated him because he's a straight shooter who uh, tells it like it is. Uh, he, he's honest about uh, his teams himself and, and, and other teams in the county. So I uh, look forward to talking with uh, Coach Gray in uh, just a couple of minutes. Uh, but my man Alexander Dacey, my colleague here at the FNP, is here. Um, and you have a cool thing coming up. We, uh, we, we can't talk about it this week, but, but it, it, will, it is something we are going to talk about over, over the next week or two. Um, it's something that you are preparing for or not? You're, you're, you're going in stone cold? Or, um... I am doing a little bit of preparation, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing something fun here in about a week and a half, and there will be a... a... Even probably even more fun story coming uh, with uh, it. Are, are are you nervous about this thing? No, nah, I mean maybe deep, maybe, maybe a tiny bit, but not not really. I'm honestly more just going in to have fun. <laughs> okay, you have the potential to really embarrass yourself. Yes, <laughs> but you also have the potential to really Im- imp- impress a lot of people too. Yeah. So, um. So it, high stakes. <laughs> so so it, it 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 could go a long way in in two completely different directions yeah so so but we'll, we'll we'll talk about that more uh more uh coming up but um that was uh, one heck of a tease i really enjoyed that <laughs> right we're, we're, we're gonna keep everyone in suspense for for, for, for the next for the next uh, week and a half so um well we, we we i guess we should do some power rankings um uh, but uh, Joey McManus who we had on um last week uh, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, he's not only leading the county in all the pitching categories, he's leading the county in basically all the hitting categories, too. Right. I mean, the only one he's not first in is he's he's second to Danny Orr of TJ in batting average, but he's still hitting 500. How, da- how dare how, da- how dare Danny Orr trump him I, uh, uh, in batting average? Right. It's it's like um, they I, – I, we were – John, I know, we, John and I were trying to rack – I was trying to rack his brain. He was trying to go back and look and – I mean, not only to have, you know, someone win one of the triple crowns, you know, pitching or hitting, but to possibly be winning both in the same season. Again, you know, it, it, it could come back down to earth a little bit. I mean, you know, we're, we're a month in, but the, a, month, a month is now like a substantial chunk of time. It's not like we're, you know, this is an anomaly from the first like two games of the season. Like, I mean, Katakna's played 11 games uh, entering um, entering Thursday here when we're, when we're uh, recording, so... Sounds like a pretty good case for a player of the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too too ahead of myself, but uh, um, you know, he he's a uh, 
He's, he's having himself a nice season. We'll, we'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, but but Catoctin probably also has the player of the year in softball, too, and, and Taylor Smith. And, man, who, who who's the best pitcher at Catoctin right now? Because cause Taylor who, strikes everyone out that she faces. Who's to say? <laughs> who's to say? Right. Uh, like, know, like, is McManus striking we, out 15 we, batters we, a game like Taylor Smith is? We need one, we need one of those, like, like sports swap type things where, like, where, like, he assumes the softball pitcher role for a day and she assumes the baseball right baseball could, uh two-way star <laughs> right could the Catoctin hitters hit Taylor Smith uh, the, the baseball players hit Taylor uh, Smith the answer is probably no because let me tell you uh trying to hit trying to hit softball after you've been used to baseball for so long is especially fast pitch is so hard um especially when you've got like a good pitcher it is um you know i i never i never uh I never did it myself, but a, a couple times when, at least in high school, we would, um, yeah, I, I think a couple people would sometimes like just go because baseball. We always, you know, baseball and softball, softball always practice at the same time. A couple people I know sometimes would just hang around after, like baseball and softball players would just like you know kind of throw to each other or whatever. And um, and, plus, and plus the circles closer too, right? And that's the thing out. is is because like you know when you have a really hard throwing you know pitcher from forty six feet, you know, however fast you know the fastest people throw like 70 miles an hour looks like 90 something you know or the the reaction times equivalent to like 90 some miles an hour um but yeah no like i mean i know i know at least a couple people in high school i think sometimes would just kind of you know jokingly take 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 swings or stand in there and it's like it, it's a blink and you'll miss it if you're not re- if you're not ready for it so Right, uh, lacrosse. You saw the Urbana boys uh, this yes. week, and, and obviously pretty impressed by them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I the, the the one I still need to get out and see. And I mean, they they play Urbana next week, so obviously I'll be out there to see them do that. Is Lingenor because they are undefeated, but I mean, just from everything I've seen, Urbana seems like a clear. Um, you know, they, they seem like the kind of total package. You know, they and, and, and they play next Tuesday. They play next Tuesday, the eighteenth. Yeah, Adam, I don't remember where that game is. Uh, what's or what school it's at? But um, that's pro- you know, those are pretty clearly the I would say the two best teams. And and, uh, and, and the girls' game should be pretty good. Uh, yeah, too. I mean, again, it, it seems like you know the the girls' game there was probably the one I covered or Banna Middletown, but the, or Ling Lingenor seems to be doing you know or having a nice nice season for themselves but again maybe not quite the same peak as they had last year but um you know there I, th- I think those are those are two very um you know those those are gonna be two really kind of top top tier games and I guess I guess at least on the the girls side you know that basically I mean at that at that point Urbana Middletown and Lingenor will all have played each other so that base and I don't think they play again the rest of the season so that probably will decide um, at least on the girls' side, that'll probably decide the the spires, and I'm guessing Middletown's going to probably cruise to the Gambrel. So, um, you know, they're, the girls' lacrosse picture is going to probably be set after that game. The boy, the boys are still a couple more we, things we need to shake out, but you know that that'll that'll be that'll put us at a really good spot there as well. Um. All right. Do you want? I guess we're sort of doing power rankings without doing power rankings. But but any any major changes? Of baseball, Catoctin, uh, Middletown, um, uh, Urbana, uh, TJ. TJ. Yeah. I mean, and though that's a pretty solid top four. I think the you know we were saying um, uh, Oakdale Oakdale's a five, and I think they still are probably five. But they're they they definitely feel a bit more distant given how you know. 
strong all four of those teams have come, you know, are, are playing right now. I mean, again, honestly, the, the one I honestly feel the most tentative about is TJ, not because they don't belong there, but like the, they're, they're, they're in fourth, but part of that's also, you know, you know, part of that is just like, you know, knowing the strength, the strengths and weaknesses of the teams, but also knowing that like they had a blow up inning against Oakdale. And again, that's the only reason they have their one loss. So they're seven and one otherwise, and they've looked really good. So it's like, you know, could one, could maybe the second best team in the county be TJ? Pot, you know, possibly. I mean, I, I, I know you've seen, I know you've seen them. I think John has seen, I think I'm the only one who actually hasn't seen them surprisingly, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, they, 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 they look to be really strong. Um, Urbana seems to be, kind of sort of finding its form and then I mean you know Middletown's had a really decent run to start the year um you know they they got Kata- I'll be at I'll be there tomorrow they got Catoctin again and they played they played a one they, those two played a one run game in which Catoctin rallied to win late uh back on the uh, March 27th um and now you know we're not going to be seeing the aces going tonight like we were or uh, tomorrow night like we were then but you know I'll be very interested to see how uh how Middletown does in that game, especially because now they'll be at home. So, uh, softball, I could talk to number one yeah. uh, in softball as well. And then, uh, I mean, Walkersville lost to Urbana this week. Urbana's come on since their since their slow start. Yeah, and that, that that was my that covered that that was my first softball game. There was another another one nothing game. It was no scoring till the seventh inning, and a RB, uh, error error leads to some extra extra chances for Urbana. Then there's an RBI ground out, and then yeah, and then and then the bottom of the inning they strand they strand the tying run at second. So really good game, and you know really I, I mean again I think you know between the two of them, and then same with uh, you know Walker's Von Catoctin in another one nothing game last week. I think that's uh, you know it, 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 it's games that could you know you play you one of those where you say you play them ten times you probably get a five and five split or something something pretty you know five and five six and four or something like that so you know it, it's pretty tight among those three I think for the top and then I'm probably throw Linganor in the mix too yeah I mean Linganor is definitely I'd say Linganor is clearly fourth not like again there's not a, it's not a huge gap between them and the top three but um, they're just just based on results they're fourth right now. Uh, boys lacrosse, uh, Urbana, mm-hmm. Leganor, um, uh, Tuscarora's having a really nice season. Yeah. They had a good win over Middletown. That yeah. You so I've <laughs> seen them twice, uh, twice down the last week. They had a, they had a good win over, um, Oakdale and a good win over Middletown, uh, that I saw tonight or, th- uh, th- I guess it's Thursday night. Um, and they, I mean, they, they're just kind of chugging along. And the, the funny thing is, you know, a lot of it's been shorthanded cause they've been down, with injuries and a couple illnesses and stuff like, you know, four or five guys for most of the season, including their their best uh, their best best overall player, who was I believe a first teamer for us last year, and that was uh, Matt Nichols. Um, you know, he he played. He, I think he only I think he only played two games before he got hurt. And I mean, he, I I'm not exactly sure the severity of his injury, but he, it sounds like he's not going to be back anytime soon. So the fact that they're able to do this and really, really honestly turn themselves into a defensive team. I mean, the two defensive efforts I saw against both Oakdale and Middletown were very, very impressive. I mean, even their one, their one loss is to Smithsburg, who's not half bad. And they held Smithsburg to six goals and, and um, you know, they, they, they didn't win that game, but the, their defense is really sort of, you know, really becoming the, the sort of backbone. And, you know, it could, I mean, it could, I think it, it can really keep them in any game given, you know, given how well they're, how tight they're playing defensively. 
Uh, Girls Across or Ur- Urbana mm-hmm. with the win over Middletown probably puts them at number one. Yes. Uh, Middletown number two because they beat Ligonor and then uh, Ligonor at three and um, and four is probably. Uh, Probably Oakdale, like a, like a Oakdale, a Frederick, a Tuscarora, one, one of those teams. Um, not going to be a lot of change in uh, tennis. Uh, Urbana boys and girls uh, track. Uh, Catoctin boys, Urbana and girls. So, um, so that's where we stand uh, with our power rankings. The usual suspects there. Yeah, at the end. Uh, usual suspects. Um, it's a shame. Uh, uh, John Cannon's not here this week because I want. He covered a cool thing. Uh, this week, I, I believe it, it was at FCC, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I covered uh, Beep Baseball, mm-hmm. uh, w- w- which allows uh, blind uh, blind kids uh, to, to play baseball. It's a really cool thing. And, and we'll, when John's back on with us probably next week, uh, we'll talk to him about that. So Because that was a really cool story that ran uh, this week in the paper. Um, anything else besides uh, that, which we shall not name, that cool that you're working on? <laughs> Oh boy, um, I not really. I I don't. Uh, oh, we're we're going we're going to see a baseball game this yeah, weekend. Yeah, I, I, I was going to mention that <laughs> we're we're headed to Washington on Saturday. Is Alexander's Washington Nationals take on my uh, Cleveland Guardians? Uh, so, so that that that'll be fun, and we can report back on that next week. Just just the overall experience. Uh, of course, the NFL draft is coming up, and and. and Likely to have two Frederick County kids taken in the first round, and Jordan Addison, a wide receiver out of Southern California, and, and Brian Brzee, the big defensive lineman uh, uh, who went to Damascus High School uh, before playing at Clemson. Uh, so, so lots of big stuff coming down the pike, and uh, and, and we'll, again, we'll talk more about Mr. Dacey's uh, experience uh, in, in, in the weeks ahead. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's gonna be busy getting ready for it, so we'll we'll, we'll just leave it at that. So, all right, folks. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll welcome onto the program uh, Bradley Gray, uh, head coach of the Tuscarora Girls. Stay with us here on the Final Score. All right, it's time to welcome Bradley Gray, uh, head coach of the Tuscarora High girls lacrosse team to the program. Bradley, I don't, I don't mean to make you sound old right off the bat, <laughs> but how long have you been coaching sports here in Frederick County? Uh, I moved out here in 2000, and my first season would have been the 01 spring season with the Walkersville boys lacrosse team. Where, where, where'd you move from? Uh, Anne Arundel County. I coached okay. at Broadneck you did. in Anne Arundel before we moved out. So not real far. Are you, you were a, have you been a lifelong Marylander? Or, yeah. I, I grew up in Montgomery Village, down in Montgomery County. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so, so you came north a little bit. And, but you've been here really since the uh, start of lacrosse here in Frederick County, since it became a real varsity sport, right? I was going to say, I think I showed up the second, maybe the third year that it was a varsity sport. Yeah. And I coached with Jim Nichols out at Walkersville for those first couple of years. Yeah. Well, I mean, what were the early days like, I mean, of, of getting lacrosse started in this county? Well, you know, I, I don't want to be disparaging to the, the fine folks of Frederick County, but when I told the people at Broadneck that I was moving out to Frederick, they're like, the Hicks have sticks? <laughs> and I was like, oh, guys, that's so harsh. You know, it's... Um, but at the beginning, it was like that because we were the at Walkersville. We were the first team to win a regional title in lacrosse. I was, I think, oh two. Yeah, you, we'll, won. We'll, we'll trace your history to you. So you were at Walkersville, but you also coached the boys at Tuscarora before correct. coaching the girls. So, that's so, correct. Right. So, 
I mean, the, the sport's come a long way. We now have, uh, I guess, three state champs, which doesn't sound like a lot, but but in the 20-something years the lacrosse has been a varsity sport uh, here in Frederick County, getting three is not bad. Oh, I don't think you can overstate how far the sport has come in this county. Yeah, and, I mean, and, we have good players now. Right, in, in what ways? Like, like, what are the big differences? Okay, so um, first thing that you're going to notice, if, if we could do like a, a time machine kind yeah, of thing, sure. stick skills are, are so much better at the varsity level. Um, the lacrosse IQ, um, the kids know how to play the game. They understand the game. Um, the coaching has gotten much better. I mean, across the board, every school's got a quality coach in there. Um, the officiating has improved. Um, we used to, um, you know, share officials with a lot of counties. Now we've got, you know, a much better officiating group out here. Um, and perhaps most significantly is the youth programs have just flourished across the county. I mean, it's a great game. Once kids start playing it, they're not going to stop. Right. Uh, there's a perceived gap still between maybe Carroll County and Frederick County. And then you have Baltimore, of course, which is a whole nother animal. That's like, that's like the heart of the sport in the country. You you have so many great schools, Hopkins and and all Towson and all those Maryland and all those great schools in in this area. Uh, Just how big is the gap between Frederick County and and, and some of the real places that have played it for much longer? Um, At the very, very top tier the gap is not very large. You know, your Middletowns, your Linganores, your Urbanas, your Oakdales, you know, they can play with those guys and, and keep it competitive and, in fact, win some of those games. Um, the middle tier, the, um, us, Frederick, Catoctin, um, people like that, the gap gets a little bit larger. We don't have as many as the, the top-tier programs in the county. But the uh, but the top-tier teams are, are very, very good, and they can – Again, they may not win, but they're going to be able to play with those people. Right? Are, are are the boys farther ahead in their development than the girls in term? Because we have three state titles with the boys. Lincolnor's done it twice. Urbana did it a couple of years ago. Still waiting for that first girls state champion here in the county. Are are, are the boys farther along, or just why why three boys state titles and no girls titles yet? <laughs> well, I can uh, I can attribute that to to a couple of things. Number one, the boys game is a much different game. If you've got a strong goalie, if you've got a strong face-off guy, you know, you can compete. Um, in the girls' game, you need many more pieces. So, and that's not to belittle the guys. You know, it's just you don't need quite as many high-level pieces as you do on the girls' side. Then you add into the fact that, I mean, Carroll County and Howard County is, I mean, those girls are going to play top-tier D1 college lacrosse. I mean, they are, they are the cream of the crop. And the guys, not so much, you know, in, in Maryland at least. Uh, you have some, but they're primarily in the private schools. The difference there is that the girls' program, these girls come out of public schools and go to Maryland and go to, you know, those top-tier programs, whereas you're not going to find quite that level on the guys' side. So there's fewer hurdles on the track for the guys than the girls um, in terms of program building. Yeah, I, I would say that, and it's – I mean – Another piece of it is, you know, exposure-wise, there's a lot more guys' games on TV. You know, kids are, are more easily swayed into that, whereas the girls' game, you still got to sort of hunt and stream to try to find girls' games on TV, um, that type of stuff. But the uh, – and, again, I don't want to take anything away from the boys because the caliber of the boys across at both Lingonor and Urbana, and even back when I was coaching the guys, Walkersville was playing for state titles after I left there. Um, I mean, we have good programs, and, and they deserve to be where they were. I still think – 
that the Urbana Delaney State Championship game back would have been like 07, 08, something like that. It was one of the best high school games I've ever seen. It was a very, very good game. Um, so, yeah, not to take anything away, but I just think that on the girls' side, it is, it's more complicated. It, you, need, you need better athletes, you need better stick skills, and you need more of them. Right. What, what attracted you to lacrosse? Not just coaching it, but I, you, I imagine you, you played before you were a coach? I've never played a game in my life. You haven't? Not one. Okay. I was in college. I was taking a class cross-training for athletes. And where would you go to college? Uh, University of Delaware. Okay. And the guy, that, the instructor of the course, Charlie Chatterton, was a graduate assistant for the men's lacrosse team. And I got hanging out with him, and he got me with Coach Schillinglaw, and I started going over and just watching the guy's game at the collegiate level. And, man, I wish they had it when I was a kid. But, again, I'm a public school kid out of Montgomery County. They didn't have lacrosse when I was growing up in the 1970s, 1980s. I mean, that was a private school thing. What did you think of the game when you first saw it? Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's the, the best of all worlds. You know, you got it's it's hockey without the ice. It's the running of soccer. It's the the same fundamentals as basketball and the defensive end. I mean, it it blends just so much stuff. Um, if, if it had been around when I was a kid, I'd have played it because I played all those sports on my own. Would well, you play soccer and stuff? Or I did football. I did basketball. I did baseball. Okay. Yeah. And I would have a hundred percent been all for the little cross piece of it. Right. What, what was your learning curve like, though? Because you, you never played the sport, and, and, and here you are uh, moving into the coaching side of things. Well, as I tell the girls, you know, it, it's not exactly rocket science. You know, you got to catch it and throw it. you got to pick it up when you drop it, and you got to run your tail off. And then the other stuff we can sort of figure out, and after, you know, heck, I think this is my 28th year coaching, you figure it out, you know. And, and I like to think that, you know, as any coach will tell you, it's not about the X's and O's, right? It's, it's the players that, that you have. So, you know, you try – the thing I like, especially I like coaching at Tuscarora, is you try to match the game that you can play with the student athletes that you have. So, you know, we have to play a variety of different styles because as I've been there, I've had teams that were super athletic where we could do certain things. I've had other teams where we're not as deep and we got to be a little bit more strategic – um, you know, it's always trying to marry that that strategy with the pieces that you have. Right. How have you had to adjust your style? Because I imagine you have to coach boys differently than you coach girls. You know, or, or, or no. Well, I get that a lot, but it's you know, it's still it's still very similar. The goal is the same. You know, you want to possess the ball. You want to put it in the back of the net. You, you know, now obviously the rules are completely. It's a completely different game in the lines, but the basic principles are still the same, and you're still working with student athletes. Um, I find that, that the girls are a little bit easier to motivate, um, but I find the guys sometimes are a little bit more determined. You know, they won't give it up. They'll, they'll, they got that grit. They'll stick to it until they get what they want. Right, okay. You, you strike me as being a huge sports fan. Where, where, where did your love of sports begin? Oh, I remember, you know, sitting on the couch with my dad watching uh, – Watching football, watching basketball. You were a watching Red, Red, Redskins fan, or Redskins? I went to my first Redskins game when I was nine months old. Okay. So you talk about lifelong. I'm literally it. Right. Did you scream and cry throughout the game, and or uh, did you, I mean, what, what did your parents tell you <laughs> about your behavior in that first Redskins game? No, they they. Uh, it, sleep, it was did interesting. You, because did you sleep through it, or? You know, obviously, I, I don't have the memory of it, but what I do remember is my sister, who's born born 15 months behind me. 
I do remember my dad having to reschedule my mom's OBGYN appointment around the Redskins game. <laughs> I, I do remember. Uh, I was told that story growing up repeatedly. Right. So that's that's a bit right. of family lore there. Right. Uh, you, you played baseball. I'm sure you loved baseball. And you didn't have a baseball team growing up. There there was no team in D.C. So, no. So you were, you were an Orioles fan? Orioles fan. Or? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Still, still now? Or did you migrate over to the Nats when, when, when the Nats came You know, honestly, I, I just... I prefer lacrosse to baseball. I find baseball too slow for my liking. So oh, this whole okay. pitch clock, I think, may help try to get people like me back. Right. You know, because for a while there, it was it was pretty bad. Right. Right. You know? so, so your memories are football, and did, did you were you a Caps fan? Uh, I went. I mean, did, did, did you grow up just you and your dad had that connection that brought you into sports? Right. Correct. And I I went to uh, I went to Caps games at the Caps Center. Um, I remember the uh, seven overtime game with the Flyers, you know, actually being at that game and coming home at like three in the morning. I was in high school, young, stupid, whatever yeah, we right, could stay. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, hockey, hockey was always fun to watch, much more fun in person than on TV. Yeah. Um, and I find lacrosse the same way. I'd, I'd much rather go to a lacrosse game than watch it on TV. Right. And, and, and then you play – what, what position did you play in football and baseball in these various sports? In, in football, I was the last quarterback on the team, so I was the, the clipboard holder, the – that's, uh, that's, anal- be- that's the best job, right? The, the well, analysis guy. You know, I kept track of – you know. And, and what coaches found out was actually I did have an eye for, for patterns. And, and, you know, they, they could take a look and see what I was keeping track of, and they could adjust their play calling based upon what we had seen. So – you know, I guess that's sort of where you got that, that coaching piece early on was I was never a good athlete, but I I could pay attention and I could discern patterns. Yeah. At what age did you realize you were going to be a coach or did you want to be a coach? I think I coached my first lacrosse rec team when I was 21. Okay. So right out of college, I started coaching a rec team down in Montgomery County. But, but before then, were you thinking like coaching looks interesting? I'm I'm good at this backup quarterback thing. Like, oh, for like the, this could be my path, or oh, for the University of Delaware? No, I, I I I mean sitting up in the press box with with the camera watching and tracking. Oh, I was in hog heaven learning the game that way. That was the best way for me to learn the game. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um. I, I mean, it, it just how how just how did you learn how to coach lacrosse? Who were who were your mentors? I had one of the best mentors you could ever have, and that was Clay White at Broadneck. Um, Clay was—he's a legend in the Maryland public school lacrosse community, um, and and he he took a chance. I was the youngest head coach in Anne Arundel County. I was coaching at Mead High School at the time, and I moved from Mead to Broadneck, and he was good enough to to put me on staff and and just let me literally watch from one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. And how long did it take you to really get a grasp of the game? You know, it's, again, it, it's really not that complicated if you have the right pieces. Um, the key is is getting the pieces and developing the pieces. Um, so, you know, grasping the game, I mean, if, if you come watch a practice, you know, the girls are always surprised when I'm out there and I'm doing stick work with them and warming up goalies or whatever, and, you know, they find out that I've never played a game. Could, could, like, could you catch a lacrosse ball if, if someone threw you a lacrosse oh ball? Oh my could God! You, yes. Could, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I could. I can. I can do all of it. But again, I've right. been doing it for twenty five years now. So I mean, sure, it's, no, no, <laughs> I, I, I was just wondering. Like, but, are you just you just know the game? I mean, you you can know the game really well and not be able to execute the, the skills. Correct. No, no. The good Lord blessed me with pretty decent hand eye coordination. <laughs> okay. 
Right. Um, uh, was high school always your calling uh, for coaching, or did you want to coach at a higher level? Or I, I mean, I'm sure like family and all that comes into into play too. That was that. It was really really interesting. I had uh, when I was at Broadneck, one of uh, my department members, uh, Steve Gorski, was a goalie at UMBC, and he was the goalie coach at the University of Maryland. And he said, you don't want to be a college coach. And I just looked at him. And he goes, your livelihood depends on the decision-making of 18 to 22-year-olds. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you got a point. You know, yeah. As a high school coach, I get paid to teach. As a college coach, you get paid to coach. And I try to explain that to my players who are going to go on and play in college. You know, If you think that sometimes I'm a bit rough and abrasive, imagine if my mortgage payment depended upon what right. practice went like. Right. You know, yeah, I, mean, uh, I mean, that's a whole different animal the, if you're the, the, go. Wind, the wins and losses are a real deal. Oh, absolutely. On, on, on the college level. Well, not only so. that, what do you think conditioning looks like? What do you think study hall looks like? I mean, if you're going to go, you better really, really want to go. From what I gather and been told, it's like a part, it's like a full-time job on the side of, it is. of, of going to college. Like you are, you're putting in full-time job hours to play college sports. You have to, you have to be committed to your craft. That is for sure. It's, it's, you know, and again, I've had, I've had, you know, student athletes that have gone and played club because they didn't want to do that. I've had kids that have gone and played, you know, D3 as opposed to D1 because the commitment's not as significant. You know, the caliber is still really good. I mean, high level D3 teams are, are really, really good. I mean, Jim Berkman, Salisbury men's team, they could take on anybody D1 and give them a run. Um, so, you know, they, the, the kids and, and the parents as well, you know, they sort of confuse. They think that D1 is the best. Well, there's, there's some pretty mediocre D1 teams, and there's some really, really good D3 teams. So, you know, the, the D1, D2, D3 sort of applies to the number of hours you can do in season, what out of season looks like. I mean, there's just a whole arcane rule book that applies. Um, my, my youngest daughter had the opportunity to play D1 and decided that, that was not something she wanted to do. Okay. My oldest daughter decided to go and play D3 because it offered her the flexibility to do the other things that she wanted to do well in college. And over the years, I've always told not only my daughters, but, but all of my student athletes, you only get to go to college once. Make sure it's everything you want it to be. And don't, you, know, you don't want to get there at the end of four years and say, man, I wish I had done something different because you don't get to go back. Right. Are, are there other other coaches in your family? Uh, uh, I mean, or to the best of my knowledge, I am the only one. Okay, you are. Okay. Well, wh why do you think you were so well suited to coaching? I mean, obviously, you're 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 well organized. You know, you know what you're watching and looking at. Just wh wh why do you think coaching suited you so well? I, th I there's a couple of guys um, that that stick out. Um, my father passed away when I was 14 years old. And my freshman year of high school, I had an English teacher, Mike Murphy. I had a social studies teacher, right, Dick Burns, true, honest to God, it's his name, and uh, Brother Barry Fitzpatrick, the principal. And they all took me under their wing, and they all showed me, you know, what education and what a positive influence you could have on a young person's life if you're doing it for the right reasons. And so when I got out of college, I went to work for a law firm, and I was accepted into law school, and I decided that my heart just wasn't there. And so I went to the teaching and the coaching route, and I've been happy ever since. I was going to say, you're obviously taking a big big pay cut, but but, but you got to do what you love, and, right? And God yeah. bless my wife, because she was my fiancée at the time. 
Yeah. And she got engaged to a law school student <laughs> and ended up marrying a teacher, which yeah. is uh, and, not quite what you signed up for. I, I was going to ask you about your wife uh, <laughs> because, yeah, and, and, and coaching in sports, as you know, there's a lot of evening and night hours that, that, that you put in. So, oh. so, 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 like, so yeah, well, well, how, how did you meet your wife? Let's start there. I met my wife at a graduation party from college. Um, she was a year behind me. Um, we were in Gaithersburg, Maryland, and a good friend of mine at the time, was ha- we all graduated together, he was having a graduation party, and his girlfriend at the time, Noelle, my wife, at, or at the time was a sorority sister, and okay. she came along with her. Okay. And was she a sports fan? I mean, I imagine she had to come a- be, be a bit of a sports fan to, to date Brad- uh, Bradley Gray. Well, she went to Clemson, so... Yes. Okay. Yeah. She's a sports fan. So, so, so she appreciated it. Correct. But, but here, but she's dating this law school student. Then you're like, now my heart's in coaching and teaching. Was she like, eh, let's 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 try this law thing? Or nope. would, no, no, never a question. Okay. So, so well, that, that's important because she, yeah. she she allowed you to chase to chase your your your, your oh your, absolutely your, your, your passions obviously absolutely. So, so, so what move? What brought you to Frederick County then from from uh, Anne Arundel? Um. Honestly, the cost of housing. Okay. I got fortunate. We were able to, to purchase our home here in Frederick County right before everything went crazy and got super expensive. Um, the same builder, the same house in Anne Arundel County was saying. Are, are you still in the house you moved in? Yep. Uh, all those years ago? All yeah. those years. Same house. Okay, yep. Um, was $75,000 more in Anne Arundel County. So we decided to come to Frederick County. Okay. And you were uh, coaching and teaching at Walkersville? Correct. And what, do you, what do you teach? I teach AP U.S. History. Okay. I teach AP Economics. I teach American Studies too. So you're not the stereotypical coach gym teacher. You're, oh, you're, no. You're, 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 a history, you're a history teacher. I'm a teacher who coaches. Okay, right. It's exactly it, the way it is. Exactly. And I imagine the reason why you ended up at Tuscarora is because it's much closer to your to your home, right? That is correct. I was I was hired. I was the first social studies teacher hired into the building. I've been the social studies department chair since two thousand three when the building opened. It's pretty nice when a school opens up right right down the street from you, right? That well, you know, that was that was on my jogging path. I saw it going up. I said, you know, I'd sort of be silly not to at least consider moving over here. Right. So. Yeah, well, I mean, just what's your what's your take on just how this area is developed? Oh my goodness, it, it's not done. Um, you know, there's just there's so much um, there's so much that goes for this area in particular. You know, it's proximity to the cities, yet it still has that that small town feel. You've got the farmers markets. Um, you, you can drive, you know, five minutes from my house in one direction and be in the middle of the city. Go five minutes the other direction. You're in the middle of fields and farms. Right. You could be in D.C. and Baltimore in under an hour uh, each. So Correct. yeah, it, it, it's perfectly suited. But was this all like grasslands and open fields when when you guys moved up here? Or, oh yeah. Uh, this area. Yeah, yeah. Ballinger Creek Pike was a two lane road. Right. Did you have the foresight to know that this was area was really going to grow and develop, or is it just sort of happened that way? We our our thought was was the neighborhood that we that we moved into. With its proximity to, to 270, 70, and 340 and 15 would be the best possible spot to hold its value, if not increase substantially its value going okay. forward. All right. And, and what, what does your wife do? Is, um, does she work? She is a corporate trainer. She, she was also in the field of education for a while. My wife, as she likes to, to joke about, has had 10 jobs over the course of her lifetime. Okay. Um, and she, you know, 
when our kids were small in elementary school, we switched or she switched over, didn't like the corporate job that she had. We got her a degree from the Mount in education. And so during our daughter's elementary, middle, and beginning of their high school careers, they had two teachers and we had the summers off and it was great. Yeah, right. It was great. Exactly. You could travel or do whatever you wanted right. to do in, in the summer. So. Yeah, the, the trade-off being, obviously, you know, the teaching salaries are not going to allow you to do a lot of fancy things. Sure. But it does, it, and again, you know, losing my dad at a young age, to me, time was always way more important than money. Right. And so the time, I would, we were just so thankful for. Did you look at sports differently when your father passed? No. No, it was still, I mean, I, I missed not having him there. Yeah. Uh, I missed not being able to talk about stuff with him. Right. But, um, but you know, the, the sports were still there. And, you know, as my daughters like to joke, as I passed down to them, you know, our love for, for the, the football team that's based in Washington. Um, now under new uh, owner, ownership, it looks like as, as of today. I, I, don't, so. I don't want to speak ill, but <laughs> I, I, I'm very hopeful that that story works out to be true. Yeah, um, I see the cup. I like the cup. What <laughs> <laughs> oh, was was Commanders? Was that a big adjustment for you, or, or, or no? I still just call them Washington. Okay, it's just easier for me that way. Did you like the football team, or would you have been fine if they were called the Washington Football Team, or did they need a nickname? You know, I always thought, you know, why wouldn't we be the Washington Warriors? Warriors. You always you already have the the spear logo from the throwback helmet. Right. You just go right into that, and I thought it would have been seamless. I. I but again, I'm not in charge, so that's yeah. fine. <laughs> well, well, they, they should put you in charge. Cause you, cause oh you, no, you, I would not want that headache for all the yeah. all the money in the world. <laughs> uh, well, I did want to ask you about your team uh, the, the, this year. Tell me about tell me about the group you have at Tuscarora. Man, I, I like this group. I've got I've got a good group of seniors that have, you know, and it, and it's weird because you know I was talking with the seniors and we were looking at stuff, and and they never got a 2020 season. Then 21 was that super, super short, you know, like six weeks where he shoved all those games in in May and June. And then, you know, last year we had a season. And then so they really only got two high school seasons out of it, or at least anything that looks normal. Um, and, and they persevered. I mean, they stuck it out. I got, I got um, you know, just I got seniors that are just great, great kids. I, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with, with what they have done for us this year. Um, their positivity, you know, they never get down on themselves. They, they lead by example. They're just a really, really great group to have. And then we got a little bit of a gap. I don't have too many juniors on the team. And then I've got a, a sophomore group that is that is pretty talented. Your, your leading scorer is a sophomore, uh, Alyssa Bardis. Yeah. Tell us about Alyssa. Alyssa is the daughter of a coach. Um, that helps. Well, it, she's she's got the lacrosse IQ piece down, and she's got, you know, what my daughters had, which is, you know, the accessibility to a goal and a partner anytime they want. Um, you know, Craig, similar to myself, doesn't really force the game on his kids, but when they ask for something, he's obviously there, just the way I was with my go- my daughters. Um, so Alyssa plays plays really well off ball. She's she sees the field, um, and she's just she's a go getter. Again, you know, sophomore, she'll she's going to be good. Delaney Stupp, another sophomore, right, right, right with her there in terms of scoring. Yeah, Dad Greg Stupp, another coach. Um, you, you'll see a pattern. 
Um, and again, they, you know, they, they play hard. They, they, they play a lot. They cannot get enough of the game. Um, they, perhaps most importantly, is they understand the field. You know, they, they can be multifaceted. They can hurt you in different ways. They can, they can, they play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Right. Well, was it, was it tough for you to coach your daughters? Was it challenging? It, it absolutely was. And in, in different ways that I did not anticipate, um, you know, it was, it was really hard for me to try to figure out when to take the coaching hat off and when to put the dad hat back on. You know, when I, finding that line yeah. was hard. And it was, it was hard because it was different for each of them. In, in what way? Well, my older daughter could, like in terms of the time that it took, mm-hmm. um, my younger daughter took a little bit longer to decompress. My older daughter could get over things a little bit quicker, and it was easier to go back and forth. You know, it was, it was just, it's just, it was different. And I had them both for two years, so that those two years were really challenging because you couldn't treat them the same. You know, they they had different needs, and you had to approach them each where they were, and that became an interesting. You know, issue. That's where my wife deserves a lot of credit because she had to be that intermediary there for a lot of that. Yeah. Did you find you were going out of your way to be tougher on your daughters for appearances' sake? You didn't want to be be seen as someone giving favorable treatment to their own kids. I, uh, when my daughters were in middle school, the way I approached it with them, I said, "Look, I said, if any bystander just happened to come and watch our practice." There had to be no question that you were going to be one of the 12 best players on the field because I wasn't going to put you out there if you didn't belong. Right. And they both were. Yeah. Have you had to change the way you coach now? I mean, how are you coaching now that's different from when you first started? You know, it's, it, that is a really, really interesting question. Um, in the aftermath of this whole COVID thing and this focus on – mental health and these types of things, I'm finding that you have to come up with new and creative approaches to things that you really didn't have to give much thought to before. You're now giving a fair amount of thought to in terms of how you present things, how you approach things, you know, that type of stuff. It's, you know, the the game isn't really changing, but the kids certainly have. Is social media, is that a big piece of it? or You know, my, the girls on my team, they understand that, you know, I don't deal with that stuff well, so they know best to stay away from it in right. season or whatever. Yeah. But it's, I mean, that's definitely a thing. You know, yeah. that's, that's something that you, you got to be aware of, certainly. Right. So how do you keep things fun and creative for the girls? Like, you reference you have to find new ways to do things. Well, if, if you would ask them, you would find them saying that I'm not fun and creative. I'm not being very successful right. at it. But I am, you know, we try to, you know, because, again, the, the essential skills remain the same. So we have to get those in there. But we're trying, you know, just to find, you know, more like, you know, creative competitive games and um, – you know, some things like that to try to just just make it more of a, a fun atmosphere than perhaps it might have been in years past. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of your other players. Uh, Lainey Barton, uh, another talented scorer uh, for you. Yep, she is a, she's a junior. Um, one of the things that's sort of unique about 
um, what we try to do at Tuscarora is, is we try to develop our program through our JV program. Um, we don't get, you know, five, six club girls every single year or anything like that. Right. So, so our JV program, and Coach Miranda has done a great job down there with those girls, is building them the skills and the lacrosse IQ to try to get them ready to come up to the varsity level. So, you know, here's Laney. She stepped into a low attacker. I graduated a senior last year who's off in, in college. And Laney, with her basketball skills, she sees cutters. She understands how, you know, the, the offensive flow is supposed to work. And she stepped right in after two years on the JV honing her skills. And she's a, a, a contributor for us in a, in a major way. Right. Uh, you do have a senior leader, Ariana Tucci. Ari is Ari's been fabulous, and and to anybody who ever asks, I'll tell the story. Ari lives in my neighborhood, and I would be walking my dog, and this is when Ari was in middle school, even before she was in the ninth grade year. When I'd go by Ballinger Creek Elementary School, there was a lacrosse goal set up in the backstop, and there was Ari shooting on that goal all hours of the day, all summer long. I'd see her in the morning. I'd see her in the evening. I mean, she, she was always the, in, there. In the dark, probably. Uh, she, uh, <laughs> I mean, that that child has, has worked on her game. Uh, and she's a very, very gifted player. She's a very good player. But what nobody, nobody saw, I mean, her parents would obviously know, but I mean – I knew just by walking my dog how much time and effort she really put into. You're, get, uh, you're like I'm. There. I'm looking forward to coaching her. One oh, 100 yeah. percent. Right. You yeah. want to talk about a leader by example, and and the one that I I, I especially want to mention is Tori Hampton. Okay. Um, she she is not one that plays for stats. That's why she's down low there. But she's going to go to St. Mary's. She's going to play both field hockey and lacrosse for them. Um, quiet as can be, never a peep of complaint. And just the hardest working kid I've seen in quite a while. I mean, she she does it all, and she doesn't need encouragement, and she doesn't need congratulations. She's just going to empty the tank every single opportunity she gets. And, uh, again, I hope my younger players are learning by watching Ari and by watching Tori, you know, just how you should be and how you should handle yourself. Right. How about your goalie, uh, Bree uh, Amick? Very, very strong. I got her and I got Sam Miller. Um, Sam's the senior. Bree's the junior. Um, both, are, again, working hard on developing their craft. They've taken a ton of shots over me over the course of their careers. Um, again, I'm the one that warms up the goalie, so I take a lot of, you know, I enjoy the goalie play. Um, and so, you know, I warm them up, and they, they've come a long, long way. Um Sam will have a decision to make. She's gotten into a number of schools. She'll have to decide if lacrosse is, is part of her future or not. Um, and then Bree will similarly have a, a choice to make next year as a senior in terms of what she wants to look at and do. I, I look at lacrosse goalie, and I'm thinking, like, this is the most thankless position you could possibly play in sports. I mean, you have a mask, but you don't have a lot of other protection. I mean, your 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 legs are exposed, and people are hurling this plastic ball at you at, at pretty high rates of speed and when the weather's i mean you guys play a lot of cold weather games early in the spring and that, it's not a lot of fun to have a ball rocket off the shins uh in say mid-march <laughs> if you uh if you see the end of a lacrosse game doesn't matter what level the entire bench goes and gets the goalie at the end of the game you got to be crazy to be goalie <laughs> I, that, that, that's what i'm thinking it, like when i want when i watch these goalies there's a reason we go get our goalie 
It's because all the other ones don't have to do it. Right. <laughs> and we thank her for being in there and doing it right. for us. Do you, do, I mean, you have to be crazy, I guess. But, but, but do you, when, when, when you look at your team and, and the athletes that have come out for your team, do you, do you know who are the best kids suited to be goalie? <laughs> do, you have to, do you have to twist some arms every once in a while, I guess is what I'm asking. You know, mercifully, in the past, I'd say, eight to ten years, I've had kids that have come into the building that play goalie. I have now on JV. That's a different level. JV, we we have had to to turn girls into goalies, um, but at the varsity level, we've had a string of girls that have been coming through the program, who who play goalie, who like to play goalie, and who are willing to to fill that role for us. Yeah, it seems like a fraternity too, because the ones that play goalie, they they wear they oh. sort of wear it like a badge of honor. They're 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 proud to be goalies. Well. Only another goalie can honestly understand what it's like to be a goalie. Right. I mean, it is it is thankless, it is painful, um, psychologically so so tough. You know, one gets by you, and you got to forget about that one and get ready to try to make that right. next stop. And, and you feel like you're letting your team down. Oh yeah. yeah. If if you let one get past you, yeah, you too. can't. Yeah. I mean, you got to be you know, you got to be emotionally strong, physically too, obviously, right? Well, yeah, physically is. I mean, the courage. Um, I mean. And then you got when you get into the clearing game and you know outlet game and stuff like that. Then you got to have lacrosse IQ as well. I mean, it's they are without question. You know, we talked earlier about you know those pieces you need. Yeah, you need a goalie. Right. <laughs> I mean, because the ball's coming at you high level lacrosse, probably upwards of 80, 90 miles an hour. Is it, when you is, get to is, the, is it, is it that fast? On the guy's side, it's going to be faster. On the girl's side, I'm not quite sure how fast it's going to be, but the difference on the girl's side is, you know, on the guy's side, you can play zone and you can set up for like 10, 12, 15-yard shots where you've given the goalie some time and some space. Girls across, they're right on your doorstep. I mean, how many goals are inside the 8-meter? I mean, that's 10 feet away, 15 feet away, and those girls, even if they're bringing it, I don't care, 60, 65 miles I mean, from 10 feet away, that's going to hurt. I mean, that's right. going to hurt a lot. Right, yeah. So, you know, they're, they're right on you in the girls' game. Right. Do, do, do parents ever give you a hard time? You know, I live in the community. They see me walking the dog. Um, and, I, again, I can honestly say that I always have every one of my players' best interests at heart. So, mercifully, throughout my coaching career, I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've heard from a parent that okay. was yeah. upset with me. Yeah. And – uh, to be fair, a couple of times I, I earned it, and I learned from that mistake. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I because I come from the place that I come from as an educator, I'm usually on the right side of most parents. Right. But on the occasions where I'm not, I'm not too proud to say that I deserve to be let know that, hey, you made a mistake. There. Right. You coach golf too at Tuscarora? I do coach golf. Do you, do you play golf? I do play golf. That, that's the most frustrating sport ever, isn't it? It depends. There are times when you're ready to uh, to do, you know, harm to inanimate objects, even though that inanimate object did nothing to you. But um, but I also find it the most rewarding. Because, you do because you can you can you can see what you have done. You know, it, it's the thing I like most about golf is you put the ball wherever it ended up. So if you don't like where it ended up, you got to look at what you did to put it there, and and you can correct it. You can fix it. Um, here in Frederick County, we have some really, really great golf courses with pros who open their heart 
to um where, where do you play most often uh we we're at worthington manor okay yeah. that's our home course i i work out there in the summertime or you like cut the grass or something or i uh... i do the tea boxes okay. i go out there with sand and seed and take care of the tea boxes okay it's my way to try to you know give back to the course that lets us come out there and play our matches right. now you've never played lacrosse but you play golf so so you might this question you might be leaning in one direction for sure but if you could only do one thing coach lacrosse or coach or play golf what, what would you choose well, I would play golf because I would be playing it. Right. Okay. <laughs> if I could coach golf or lacrosse, I'd probably pick lacrosse. Lacrosse is fun to coach. Golf, you can't really coach that much. You can you know? sort, of, sort of out of your hands, right? Well, I mean... it's that, and it's more of a, almost like a chaperone kind of thing. You know, you're setting up tee times. You're getting kids on the course. Um, I'm definitely not a PGA instructor by any stretch. I refer kids to, you know, licensed PGA pros for lessons. I can't teach anybody a golf swing. I can tweak a golf swing, but I can't teach a golf swing. Right. So, you know, that kind of thing, you know, that's better left to the professionals. Any hole-in-ones for you? I have one. Where? Uh, The sixth hole at Worthington Manor. Sixth? Good weather day or just purely struck shot? um... I, I hit it well. Um, the pin was in a spot that was favorable for the ball to funnel to it. And I just, I, I, I hit the, my target and darned if it didn't just trundle home. It, 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 how far did it roll? 10 feet, maybe okay. 12 feet. Okay. Right, right to the right of it down the slope. And, and what was the feeling when you, did you see it go in? First of all, I did not. You did not. So you, you did not know what it was in when you got to the green. No, it, it's honest. It's one of those crazy golf stories where you get up there and you're looking around for your ball and, and you don't see it. And you're, and you're, did you immediately think it was in the hole or, no. or did you think it blew, was, up, blew off the green? Honestly, or, or I, <laughs> I thought I hit it. I thought I hit it long. Okay. So I spent a lot of time looking behind the green. I came back up and as I was coming back up to look towards the front part of the green, I just happened to glance in the hole and there it was. I was like, son of a gun. Is that was that as simple as your reaction was, or were you were you jumping up? And, did you do Phil Mickelson leaping? No, in, 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 no I'm not in, that kind in, of into the air or anything. Or no, that's not my personality. But but I I, sort of, uh, I was like uh, uh, I can't uh, believe that happened. Uh, <laughs> a, a fist pump at least. Right? Oh sure, yeah sure. Right? Did you, did you have to buy some drinks in the in the clubhouse uh, afterwards? Or um... you know we. Uh, we were sort of participating in that as we were going along. It was late in the day. So you didn't have to buy any drinks. Well, I bought the next round for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, figured, I figured that might have happened at least. Uh, that will so, happen, yes. Yeah. Well, what, what made you want to be a history teacher? Um, you know, I, at Delaware, I had a double major in political science and history. Um, I grew up in Gaithersburg. My dad worked in a law firm down in D.C., Oh, so your dad was a lawyer. Um, my dad was okay. a lawyer. And was he disappointed you went the teaching route? or? or uh, he had passed by the time okay. that decision was made. Okay. But, um, you know, the, uh, the teaching route was, uh, you know, I like to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And, and history allows me to, to tell stories. Mm-hmm. Is, is history a difficult subject to teach, though? Do the kids have an appreciation for it? Um. I'd like to say yes. I hope they do. Yeah. Um, I'm still good friends with a number of my former students who have taken my classes. So I'd like to think that they sort of, you know, appreciate it. Um, again, now, uh, again, teaching, we talked about coaching changing. Teaching has changed significantly. 
Um, everything now, kids are accustomed to being on a screen. They're accustomed to having access to it whenever they want. Um, you know, the screens are, are an enormous problem. I, I've started to move away from putting stuff available to them on screens, try to get them more to focus in on, on what we need to do. Um, and, and it's a challenge because, you know, I, I teach mostly ninth graders this year, so their entire middle school experience was was different. It was, you know, that, that whole COVID yeah. thing. And so that's all they know. Right. So they don't, they don't, so it's, it's going to take some, some significant time to try to work through getting them back into being what we would consider traditional I mean, students. I'm old enough where I remember overhead projectors and film strips and, and, and all that stuff. Like, and cell phones weren't really in vogue like they are now when I was in high school. How, how do you teachers manage the cell phone piece? Cause it seems like all you have to do to cheat on a test is just text your friend the, the answer. Well, you know, this, this, the screens are winning. Um, you know, the, yeah, you have to, Frederick County Public Schools is going to have to put in a policy to do something about the screens. Um, the way I get around the whole, you know, potential cheating stuff is I've gone back to doing things on paper. Yeah. Cell phones are dropped off at my desk on the day of a quiz. You turn in your quiz, you can have your phone back. Okay. Yeah. Essays are written by hand. They're not typed. You know, it's back it, it, to... It, it's the only thing you can do, right? Well, and again, I, you know, having been an AP teacher for as long as I have, um, you know, all of those essays are written. Um, they're not typed. So, so I never really left the whole essay piece by hand. That's, that's just something you have to do. Do you, do you get blowback on taking the kids' phones? Or like, you can't take my phone or whatever? Or when, when I explain to them that it's, you know, it's only for this short time period, and they know why I'm doing it. Right. And, you know, I have, actually, I have set up a table where you just come over, you just put your phone in, you come, give me your quiz when you're done, and you go pick up your phone. And it's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah it's not right. It's not overcomplicated. Initially, you know, you'll get a few that's sort of like, oh, and I'm like, look, you're in this room. If you want, have an AirPod in so you can hear your music. You're still close enough to be linked to it. I'm not taking that away from you. I'm just making sure if, that you don't if, have a. If the phone was going off with either ringing or obviously you're going to let the kid check his phone. I, I honestly, I have not seen a phone ring. Okay. On the day of a quiz. Okay. Okay. And again, so like the way it's set up, you know, I'm, my desk is in one part of the room, and then the table with the phones is directly in front of it. So I can see the room, I can see the phones. And again, you know, just with a little bit of thought, you can sort of take care of it. But I mean, and I, I have this conversation, you know, with, with Chuck Zetrick, who teaches AP Psych, and we talk about how the brain is wired and how these kids have gotten, you know, their brain has gotten addicted to the impulse, the, the, the screen, the constant stimulation off the screen. And, you know, it's, it's biologically changing these kids. Do you find yourself falling into the screen trap every once in a while? My wife will tell you yes. Um, I try to be good about it. Um, what I have found is that if it is becoming a problem is I will put it away. Yeah, I'll put it in a different room. I'll set it on the kitchen table. You'll, you'll actively different... look to get away from it. I will. Yeah, I will right. give myself space from it. Correct. Right. Okay. Uh, what are expectations for your group? I mean, you guys are always a very competitive team. Uh, you're always there, bat- battling for the region with with a team like Frederick High. Just, just what, what do you hope your group achieves this season? You know, I've. You know, we always have the same thing. We want to. We want to win the games that we are capable of winning. 
we want to compete in what I call the measuring stick games. And, right? and you have one, is, is, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and you have one tonight against Middletown. We will have Middletown at our place tonight. That's a measuring stick game for us. We want to compete, and we want to see, you know, how, how have we narrowed the gap with those top-tier teams in the county. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to the playoff time, we, we want to go out playing our best game, and competing to the best level that we can, we don't want to. We don't want to end our season thinking that we could have done more. Yeah, you're so well spoken, Bradley, and so well reasoned and commonsensical. Is that is that a product of your mother, your father, or um, your chip off the old block here? Or um... you know, both. Both my mom and my dad had had a real big role in shaping the person that I am. Um, also, you know, my wife, my wife and I, we've been married. You know, going on. This year will be 29 years. Wow. So, you know, she's been there with me. And, that you know, the, the just I've always felt that, you know, getting emotional or high strung doesn't really solve much of anything. And in many instances, it's going to make it worse. So I, I try to I try to think before I act. Now, there will be lacrosse officials in Frederick County tell you I'm full of crap because – I get a little bit animated on the sideline from time to time. But I do try to control that. Right. It's not, I mean, not a lot of people think before they act. Do you find that to be true? The, uh, impulsive yeah. is, is a thing, yeah. yeah they right. they, yeah. they do. And the other thing is, is, you know, they don't necessarily think about the consequences. Right. You know, so for, you know, again, maybe it's the, the econ in me, right? I always think cost-benefit, Right. What's the potential cost versus what's the potential benefit? Right. And, you know, you, you take a look and you see, and you, right. that'll lead you the right direction right. most times. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. We, oh, we, absolutely. We, thanks we, for we, having we, me. We wish your team well uh, this season. That's Bradley Gray, a uh, longtime uh, lacrosse coach here in Frederick County, uh, head coach of the Tuscarora Girls for what, how, how many seasons now? Oh, boy. Um Making you sound old. Making you, I started. I started the podcast making you sound old, and now I'm ending the podcast. Yeah, you, no, it's it's twelve old. years now, so, maybe thirteen. I I don't see much. I don't see much gray. In, you're, you have short hair. I have no hair, of course. My I, daughter. I, I, I hide it from people. I don't see much gray in the hair there. My daughter caught on to my trick. I just got a haircut yesterday. Okay. I was gray and shaggy. She goes, "That's why you keep your." Hair short, right? Yeah, you, I said you just hide the gray, right? It just it doesn't it, exist. It's, it's the cost benefit analysis. <laughs> That's correct. Well, once again, That's the so. easiest solution. We just right. take it right on off. Right, Bradley. Thanks so much, right. and uh, thanks to all of you for listening to the podcast. My thanks to producer Graham Cullen, uh, to John Cannon and Alexander Dacey, my colleagues here for talking some Frederick County sports. We'll be back with another episode next week. I, I, I think we'll have um, Tom DeMeo, the Urbana Girls Lacrosse Coach. They have, they have a really good team. Uh, this They're year. very, very yeah. good. Yeah, and then they have a win over Middletown too. Um, they're they're a leg- again. We talk, you know, in those tiers in the state. They're in the top tier. They're a team that's not going to lose to too many people. They're very good. Yeah. So, so we'll talk to Coach DeMeo uh, next week. But uh, until then, have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you next time here on the Final Score.